Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, on the program today, we have collected questions from the tens of listeners that we have listening to the program every week. Nobody. (laughs) Come on, guys. From the tens and tens and tens of listeners that we have. um, And we greet each one of them. (laughs) We've had questions submitted that we would like to go ahead and air um, out with you guys um, that are listening. And so here is the first question for today's program, which is this. What does the Bible teach about the doctrine of original sin? I think one thing we need to understand is when it, we're talking about original sin, it's not talking about specifically the first sin. It's talking about the effects of the sin of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And going back even further, I think you begin by by talking about the fact that when God created Adam and Eve, he created beings that did not have sin And so um, Adam and Eve are different than us in the fact that Adam and Eve did not have a sin nature. And so for us, we're tempted from within. They had to be tempted from without um, Mm -hmm. because they didn't have anything within them that would bring them to a place of temptation. So the temptation would have to come from outside of them to draw them away because of how they how they were created. Yeah, they also had, uh, different from us, an absolutely free and unencumbered will, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to our, because, because we're born into sin, uh, our, our wills are in bondage uh, to sin unless set free um, by God. Um, but Adam and Eve in that, in that original state are, are without sin and, and made free by God, uh, that they can, they can choose him, uh, they can reject him. And so when the Bible talks about original sin, what it's really talking about is... Does the Bible actually use the phrase original sin? Not original sin, no. Okay. It just talks about the doctrine of. Um, it's really saying, okay, with Adam and Eve, after they, given their free, uninhibited, uninhibited will, after they sinned, what happened to their offspring? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened to their children from that point on, how were they born? Mm-hmm. And what the Bible is going to teach is that all of the children of Adam are now born with a sinful nature. Right. As it, it says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So um, that is the effect of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Uh, sin is uh, part of all humanity's nature now. Let's back up, though. Um, so there is, um, there are four views of humanity throughout history. So you have the view of Pelagianism, which says that man is well. You have the view of semi-Pelagianism, which is man is sick. 
you have the view of Arminianism or the view from the Princess Bride, which is man is mostly dead. And then you have the, <laughs> and then you have the reform view, which is man is all dead. Yeah, he's dead and, in his uh, trespasses and sin. So when we're talking yeah. about original sin, there are four views that we're kind of approaching this with that I think need to kind of get explained a little well, bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. The fact that we all sin is, uh, is as uh, G.K. Chesterton said, does not lack for empirical evidence. We all <laughs> yeah, sin. Yeah. It's, in fact, we see it very early in every one of our children. You know, before they can, before they can even talk, there's this self-will that we see in them. Yeah, I've often heard uh, Chesterton paraphrase that uh, original sin is the one Christian doctrine that can be empirically proven to anybody. Right. Uh, because the the experience of sin is is universal, that we don't even even if we set aside for a moment God's law, we don't even live up to our own expectations of ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't even live up to our own internal <coughs> law and our own internal sense of right and wrong that's corrupted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let alone God's pure and, and holy law. I think that's. I, th- I think you're right. I think the difficulty with original sin is when we when culture starts applying that to to babies. Because there is a collective consciousness that there's this age of accountability and that they're really not born guilty. They're not really guilty until they start actually exercising that will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you and ha- that's the problem. <laughs> you have to really dis- define, are we sinners because we sin or do we sin because we're sinners? Yeah. And I believe that what the Bible is teaching um, from cover to cover is that we sin – because we're sinners. That's our bent. That's the direction of our heart. Um, and so, and this is where we, we sometimes disagree about the extent of that original sin. I think most people will say that you're born as sinners except for small pockets, um, and that's where the Pelagians come in. Um, but they're really a small pocket in the overall theological spectrum of beliefs. Um, Semi-Pelagians actually do believe that people are born as sinners. They if, just don't. Yeah. They don't probably appreciate the gravity. Enough, yes, the extent of it, the seriousness of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's it's pervasive. You know, when we talk about total depravity, we're ta- talking that people are as bad as they could be. There's always room for deprovement, and we, you know, we can get worse. Um, but sin is affecting everything that we do. Somebody said that if sin was a color, if it was the color blue, we would be Smurfs. We, you know, it's that pervasive in us. Uh huh. Yeah, and and when we talk about uh, original sin and being born into sin, uh, we're we're just affirming once again what the Bible says over and over. Uh, but we're not saying that uh, infants are, you know, little little demons in waiting, uh, and uh, that they are, you know, that that they are somehow pervasively evil. No, of course not. Uh, they're made in the image of God, uh, and they are precious, both in the sight of God and and, and to their families and and uh, to to everybody uh, who who has any kind of a heart. What we say when we, when we say we're born into sin is that we're saying we are born with this nature. Mm-hmm. This bent. This bent. Um, and uh, as, as, as Augustine said, we are all we're bent timber. And uh, we, are, we are going to, as we 
right right from the beginning we are infected with sin from our birth it's not something we can avoid by trying really hard uh by the way in the uh, 18th century uh there was a famous french philosopher uh, jean-jacques rousseau who taught what he called the theory of the wild child that and he he by the way completely rejected christianity he despised christianity and he believed, and many people believe this right down to this day, uh, he believed that if he, he could take a child away from culture, if he could tra- take a child away from society and raise that child in a perfect state of nature, the wild child, that that child would be without sin. Yeah. That that's because all sin, in, in that secular theory, all sin comes from the outside, not from the inside, from the corrupted that's, heart. That's basically Freud, Freudian ideology that's, as well. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. yeah, and uh, this is and once again getting back to you know original sin is the one doc, Christian doctrine that's empirically uh, provable. Not only is Rousseau's philosophy nonsense from Scripture, it, it's nonsense from human observation. That wild child has never existed and never will. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the wild child didn't exist, but what Rousseau was really talking about was Adam in the garden. Sure. Um. But after Adam, that doesn't apply. Right. Historical insight, fun fact, um, factoid, um, Rousseau's children, he didn't raise any of his own. No, so, no, he didn't. He sent them all to orphanages. He did. Let, so, let, me, let me touch on one. Great source there. On, yeah. on <laughs> one thing, though, that I, we haven't even mentioned this word yet, um, imputation. Um, and this is, honestly, brothers, I, I, I do think more people struggle with this than maybe we let on. That when Adam sinned, all of his posterity, as the catechism would say, which just means all of his offspring, has Adam's sin imputed to them. So we are guilty when we are born before we actually, you know, use the word empirically, before we actually make a choice to sin. We sinned in Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam's sin was imputed to us. And I think the theological that- term would be that Adam is our federal head. Right. He represents all of us. Right. And and people will say, well, that's not fair. Okay, I understand that. Um, but I think the implication, what is being taught is that if any of us were in the garden, we would have done the same thing. Well, there's that, that Adam rep, not only represented us in the fact that what he did is then imputed to us, but he represented what all humans would have done in the same circumstances. It would have maybe played out slightly different. Maybe time frames would have been different. Who knows all of that? But the end result is that he did what all of us would have done. And you say, well, I don't like that. Well, we actually live, despite the fact that probably one in a thousand Americans know this, we actually live in a federal system, um, which means that we have people that represent us all the time. Yeah. Um, it's when we not think uncommon. about Adam, he was a perfect representative. Uh, he was uh, created with, as we've already observed, without an, an interior motivation to sin. He was he was he was created by God. God said it was very good. Um, when we deny that imputation of Adam as our federal head, we're also denying the fact that Christ can serve as our head as well. That we can receive impu- the imputation of His perfect life. Mm-hmm. Um, too, as our representative. Yeah, yeah. I just want to read again uh, a verse that Jonathan read earlier, just for review. I think it's good to go back to in uh, Romans uh, 5.12. 
Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men. There's that federal aspect. Because of Adam's sin, death spread to all of us. Death spread to all men because all sinned. Uh, So we're not saying I'm being blamed for Adam's sin. But we are saying I share in Adam's sin. And that he, apart from Christ, he's my, he's my federal head, whether I like it or not. If I'm not in Christ, you, you, there's two choices in the New Testament. You can be, the, be either in Adam or in Christ. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that we do have original sin. We're born as sinners because of Adam, but we sin because of ourselves. Yeah. Right. That's what he, yeah. Adam's not sinning for me. Yes. For all have sinned. I come short of the glory of God. That's right. I'm born with a bent. I'm born with a sinful nature because of my federal head. Mm -hmm. I sin because that's the desire of my heart. Yes. And so I am justly held accountable for for the sin that I commit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I want to just go quickly back to we talked about babies, and sometimes people will say um, they're so innocent. And then other people will get all mad about that and say, oh, no, they're not innocent. They're sinners. Um, No, they are innocent. It's okay. It's appropriate to say that a a baby is innocent because they, though they are born as a sinful being, they know nothing of sin. Absolutely. So they are innocent to the effects of sin. They're innocent with regard to, to the knowledge of sin. So, I mean, I, I get this precision that we want to do in reform circles, but I think we have to be it careful. It doesn't take very long for us to see the willful <laughs> sin in our children, though. I mean, it, uh, you know, I had five, and I can, I can tell you that, you know, when you told a child to keep his toys in uh, the bedroom, that they would walk through the living room with them under their shirt and pretend we didn't know so there's a it doesn't take very long for them to know a willful sin yeah well hopefully we can uh maybe figure out some of those nuances next time on the program we'll see you next time